Everyone, I have a new computer, so this is being recorded in a new sort of space. So that is why fancy. things are a little weird. Have you named it? My new computer? Yeah. No, I have not. Well, why not? Uh, how about in, in the Discord? Uh, message us <laughs> on our, any of our socials. This is crime culture, by the way. Message us on any of our <laughs> socials, and we will send you the link to our Discord, and you can help me name my new computer. And the us in question is Haley. That's Haley. Haley Hi. got the new computer. I'm Caitlin. I don't have a new computer. I just have allergies. Um, I do, too. Oh, my God. <sighs> you know, this this is it. This is why... This is this is why we're we're together. I don't know. My brain is filled with pollen. We're so in sync. Thank God, it's your episode miles this week. <laughs> it is my episode. So excuse my like little bit of a like a raspier uh, uh, radio voice, but we're it's gonna sexy. get through it. I'm not gonna sniffle too much during the episode, but we're gonna get through it. Okay. Why why does why does pollen have to exist? That's the real true crime. Yeah. Well, um, that's not what the episode is about today. The episode today is about a very special uh week and a very special collection of places i don't know we're talking about national parks i have no idea oh fun because at the time you are listening to this when does this come out this comes out on the 18th yeah 18th so uh this saturday this saturday is going to be the 20th if you're listening to this on the day it comes out blah blah this saturday is going to be april 22nd that is my dog Blaze's birthday, R.I.P. Love you, Blaze. So it's also Earth Day. It is also, most importantly, the first day of National Parks Week. We will get into what oh. National Parks Week means in a moment. But um, as I wrote on my notes, we're diving right in, by the way. This is a long one. You're my favorite, Leslie Nope. Um, as uh, we begin, on my notes says an extremely brief history of the national parks. So, um, we do have a lot of like out of state or out of country listeners. So, uh, if you don't know, um, how the national parks were created. So a bill creating the first national park, which was Yellowstone was signed into law by president Ulysses S grant in 1872. The organic act of 1916 created the national park service to quote, conserve the scenery and the natural and historic objects and wildlife therein and to provide for the enjoyment of the same in such manner. And by such means as will leave them unimpaired for the enjoyment of future generations, end quote, Mm -hmm. which is just flowery talk for like, we're keeping these natural spaces natural and in the way that they were found. um, So that, they can be enjoyed by everyone in this in this way. Um, and it would be remiss to say that it was all done by one person. The work of very important leaders who fought for animal and land conservation were essential in the development of legal action to protect the parks. Some of these leaders include President Abraham Lincoln, Lawrence Rockefeller, President Theodore Roosevelt, John Muir, who's also known as the, the father or the grandfather of the national parks, and also First Lady Lady Bird Johnson. Um, just to oh. name a few. Lady Bird Johnson is actually, I went, um, I'll talk about in a little bit all the parks that I've been to, but um, mm-hmm. I went to the Redwoods and we went on the Lady Bird Johnson Trail, which is just a lovely trail in the Redwoods if you happen to be in the area. How many Lady Birds did you see? So many. So many Lady mm-hmm. Birds. 
Uh, as of right now, there are 424 sites that are managed by the National Park Service, with 63 designated as national parks. So that's um, excellent. Yeah, if you don't know, like, some places are designated as national monuments. Like, I went to, um, in New Mexico, Bandelier. Bandelier National Monument is, it's a, it's a whole park, but it's considered a national monument. And um, this summer, I'm going to be going to Devil's Tower National Monument. Um, I believe the Statue of Liberty, that whole island, is considered a national monument. Um, stuff oh. like that. There's a whole list. That's pretty cool. I would like to go to an island and be like, oh, excuse me, no, this is a national monument. This is a have national you, park. Have you never been to the Statue of Liberty? No. Really? Growing really, up in Connecticut, really. you've never been to the Statue of Liberty? Not a field trip or we, anything? We, I will tell you, uh, we were gonna go. On a field trip? Um, No, my, uh, like, I very much wanted to go when I was little. And I was like, yo, 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 mom, I want to go. I want to go. I want to go. And she was like, okay, 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 fine. We'll go around Labor Day. And it's I was like, probably awesome. Love that. As shit. So excited. Well, but but we had off. And so I really was looking forward to it when my mother told me in the summer of 2001 that oh. we would go visit you know what's the weird? Statue of Liberty. I went to the Statue of Liberty in probably early 2002. So, mm. like, obviously shit was, like, really shut down. But, like, my uncle is an FBI agent. So, like, we were able to, like, get okay. around a bunch of stuff. <laughs> I'm really glad that you said that because you, uh, Haley could see my face. Nobody else could. I really thought that my mom lied to me when she said that the Statue of Liberty was, like, shut the fuck down after 9-11. Well, yeah, so I was sure. like, oh, my God. I she, You mean I could have gone all this time? Because that's why we never ended up going. Because, yeah. spoiler alert something bad happened and we weren't able to go we did um, we did an episode on it so yeah. go ahead and listen to that technically it's, we did two episodes on it but one fucking, of them was recorded and one was not it's a fucking laugh um, riot not really that was um, it, that was i'm still emotionally bummer. recovering from that one um but no no i haven't been for that reason though like literally right. because you know when it, you come visit and, one and, time we'll go i would love that okay, i would we'll genuinely love that that yeah, would be anybody else wants to come let us know meet um, us at the statue of liberty this is our <laughs> new sleep sleepless in seattle yes just meet um, us at the top of the statue of liberty can you even do that i don't even know tell me not <laughs> anymore so uh the reason why i'm doing this episode this week is because from april 22nd to the 30th uh this year i think i don't know if it changes every year or like slightly changes whatever um mm -hmm. the national park service and the national parks foundation honor the history and beauty of these natural spaces with a week of education and activities and on the 22nd again this saturday if you're listening on the day that it comes out um to kick off the celebration all entrance fees for all of the parks are waived you can get into a national park for free if you go on Saturday, April 22nd. So Ooh, highly recommend. And my cat know. is screaming in the background for he's deals. He's excited. <laughs> no, he's excited. He is. He's, he's like, we're going to go to a national park. It's going to be the shit. Yeah. Even though he's oh. never left this apartment. Um, but he, not yet. But that's why he's excited because he's going to leave and he's going to go straight to a national park. Like talk about an outing. Baby's Day Out starring Bean. So this is where, uh, before we get into kind of what I'm going to be talking about in this whole episode, I am not trying, with this episode, I am not trying to say that you should not go to a national park and that you should be scared of going to a national park because, 
because something bad could happen. I am personally at my happiest in any national park that I've ever been to, and I cannot recommend them more. I think everyone should go, especially if you're from the United States. You have no excuse. Go. Um, If you're not from the United States, this is one of the first places you should visit. Fuck going to Disney. Fuck going to all these other places. Go to a national park. I personally have been to, let's list them, Acadia National Park. I spent my honeymoon there. Mm-hmm. arches i went to loved it this summer i'm going to be going to badlands mm-hmm. uh, i've been to canyonlands capitol reef carlsbad caverns crater lake glacier great sand dunes uh great smoky mountains guadalupe mountains indiana dunes joshua tree with you yeah Caitlin. uh-huh we went to she, joshua tree together everybody can't see this i'm looking at her very expectantly like okay say uh-huh. it Uh, i've been to the redwoods uh Mm -hmm. rocky mountains obviously i think that was my first one and white sands um so i've been to quite a few hell yeah um that's also not even listening the national monuments i've been to i've been to so many true um all of this is basically to say in this episode these places are not an amusement park no um they are not a zoo especially a petting zoo Mm -mm. and um the lands and animals need to be treated with respect if you're going to be going to a national park take only memories leave only footprints exactly you need to stay on designated trails you need to bring water you need to take a map you need to uh bring a friend or let somebody at least know where you're going to be going and when you expect to be Mm -hmm. back um you need to listen to the rangers stop at a ranger station speak with them first and you need to be smart you You need need to to be prepared yeah, you need to know what you're getting the fuck into. Like, you don't go here expecting, like, this isn't a Six Flags. You're not going to go and people are going to, like, be all around you all the time and, like, lead you to different places. Like, these are still natural spaces. Like, there are many times where you're going to be on trails and you're not going to see anyone. There's going to be rattlesnakes. There's going to be bears. There's going to be moose. There's going to be coyotes. There's going to be so many different things. You just need to know what you're getting into before you go to some of these spaces and uh i think that's just the most important thing to take away we're going to be talking about some scary stuff this is a true crime podcast after mm-hmm. all um so Did we obviously the name of the true crime podcast this is crime culture Hi. <laughs> <By the way. laughs> we have i think we did i think we did i think we're good okay yeah <laughs> head empty just pollen so to uh start this all off we're going to talk about some stats and that is it's there's some scary stats but we'll talk about how they're not as scary as they may seem yeah so thousands of people have died within the national park since 2007 that seems like uh a scary uh thing to say but all time it's probably more than i found but the data that i found starts in 2007 so we're going to start with that as a baseline approximately 3,000 people have died in the parks since um from 2007 to 2018 and like i said while that number seems high it's spread across 12 years and there are hundreds of sites within the national park system like i said 424 and millions of people visit the park safely every single year mm-hmm. within that time frame an estimated 3.5 billion people have visited the national parks which equates to just under eight deaths per 10 million so you're going to be okay if you go (laughs) if you're smart with all that said here's some more in-depth stats that i found kind of fascinating as i was researching so the deaths in the national parks were made up um 81 male and 19 female uh the age range was relatively evenly distributed amongst adults ages 55 to 64 peaked ahead like a 
teeny tiny bit at 19%. Luckily, ages 0 to 14 made up only 2% of deaths. <laughs> Thank God. Children and babies were fine. That's um, always ideal. Always ideal. The leading cause of deaths in the parks by far, do you know what it is? Do you want to guess? Um, Stupidity. <laughs> Besides that, I think <laughs> I think a bunch of these are, but also let's not speak ill of the dead. Sometimes they're accidental. That's true. That's true. Leading cause of death. I'm going to go with like, like exposure to the elements, like sun exposure, like dehydration, that sort of thing. Like, does that make sense? Interesting. Okay. Um, number one is drowning. I mean, lack of water, too much water. Both <laughs> of those kind of go together. Yeah. So 668 deaths within the time frame that I talked about, 2017 to 20. Sorry, 2007 to 2018. The second leading cause of death, car crash. That made oh, up 475 that makes deaths. Sense. That makes sense. Just, I mean, you like there's a lot of windy about, roads there's windy roads and you went to joshua tree with me yeah um and people drive like maniacs for some reason it's like they think well, oh i'm in a park there's no speed limit bada bing well they're the, they're wide open roads but there's a lot of people who are pulling off to take pictures there are a yep. lot of like there is wildlife crossing the road sometimes so like there's that um especially in big parks with mountains there can be uh rocks that shift there can be a million a million other things that happen on like gravel and just kind of exactly um whoopsie the next leading cause of death was i this is weird undetermined which is 351 um i don't know what that means slip and fall was the next at 335 natural deaths uh at 285 suicide at 260 mm. environmental which is what you guessed uh, 163 uh, transportation, which I don't know how that is different than car crashes, but that's 100. Other, which I don't know how that is different from undetermined, which is 40. Poison, 24. Think about it, like rattlesnakes. That's venom, not poison. All right. Poisonous. Nye. Venom is if it bites you and you die, it's venomous. We did an episode Poison this, is if you bite it and you die that's poison this becomes this becomes more and more familiar i think we might have done something on this didn't we i don't think we did but i'm just like a bitch you've about had that. this discussion with me before <laughs> i'm just a bitch about that because people are like oh that thing is poisonous i was like it's venomous you've a hundred percent had this conversation with me before i have a hundred percent been that person saying something is poisonous when it's i am i am that um actually bitch and i'm just like um actually it's not poisonous it's venomous. um so after poison uh 17 of those deaths were homicides mm. we're going to talk about some of those um mm. only eight were wildlife or animals wow and one Honestly, was legal good. intervention which oof i don't i don't like mm, that one nah Mm-mm, don't like what that must have been yeah uh only four parks saw more than 100 deaths within the 12-year period do you want to shoot a guess at which one of those four parks it was? Um, if if drowning is the leading cause of death, it is one with a lot of water. And I'm going to say, I don't think it's a national park. Okay, because that's what I was going to say. I'm a little... Hmm. Maybe um, I think there's a Nauset State Park in Massachusetts. No. Or... It wasn't done. Catalina. No. Uh, Lake Mead, which is on the border mm. of Arizona and Nevada. 
that had yeah. 201 deaths in those uh those years <coughs> yosemite in california yeah. had 133 uh grand canyon in arizona had 131 huh. and there that. is like a, a national like parkway which is a historic trail um i think it's notches trace parkway it runs through tennessee and mississippi and that also had 131 deaths and like i'm gonna obviously need to mention that doesn't make these parks any more dangerous than others they're just probably more visited for instance lake mead was visited by approximately 85 million people within that time frame and saw 201 deaths oh wow so your likelihood of being fine as long as you're smart is is good you're gonna be okay yeah um, make sure you're with a group. Make sure uh, if you got any little kids with you, there's they got their floaties. Everyone's good. I love everyone. Good be careful. Um, something interesting that I vaguely knew of before researching this episode, but then I kind of dived a little more into it is the zone of death in Yellowstone. Do you know anything about this? Vaguely, like, like vaguely, but I'm not a hundred percent. So in 2005, Michigan State law professor Brian Kalt discovered a loophole in the United States Constitution that made it impossible to prosecute any crimes in a small, just 50-mile area of Yellowstone National Park. Mm -hmm. Um, This is where um, a small area of the park spills into Idaho. Mm -hmm. In his 2005 article for the Georgetown Law Journal titled The Perfect Crime, he named the area the Zone of Death. And explained that the Sixth Amendment says that federal crimes must be prosecuted under the state and district that the crime was committed in. Okay. However, in the case of Yellowstone, the federal district of Wyoming has full jurisdiction over the entirety of the park. So even though part of the park also goes into Idaho, mm-hmm. Wyoming has control of the park. Okay. So if you commit a crime in the zone of death... Um, you'd only be able to prosecute that person using the population of the people who live within 50 miles. The number of people who live there in this area is zero. Since Colt discovered the loophole, he set out to get Congress to fix it by creating legal framework that either makes Idaho's portion of Yellowstone inside the district of Idaho or for residents of Wyoming who live in the federal district to be able to prosecute. But it doesn't look like that's going to be fixed anytime soon. Mm. Colt said in an interview with Vox, quote, they have lots of more important things to worry about. Of course, they aren't fixing those things either. But I need to be realistic here. End quote. Which 100% yeah. true. I mean, honestly, yeah. 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 Um, in 2007, the courts had the opportunity to address this issue head on, but they left the loophole unfilled. There's a similar portion of land that's in Montana, but the difference is people do live in that area, making it difficult but not impossible to host a trial uh, with a jury of your peers. Uh, Michael Belderan um, is a man that illegally killed an elk inside the park's jurisdiction and used Colt's article as his defense in um, in the Montana section. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he didn't kill a person, but it's only a matter of time before something like that escalates especially if uh, criminals know that this is indeed a loophole yeah and um i'm gonna jump back and forth between um info and like pop culture on this one so there's actually a book uh called free fire by cj box it has a 4.27 out of 5 on goodreads and um it is part of the author's um series on 
a uh, small town Wyoming game warden named Joe Pickett. And this specific book um, takes place in the Yellowstone National Park zone of death. So it's um, like a fictional account of what could happen if an actual murder takes place there. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, A couple of other things that I found while researching kind of like crimes and like weird shit about national parks, I found a lot of like kind of vaguely supernatural paranormal stuff that I wanted to talk about. Yes, please. So one park that I've been to twice now, which I really liked, I went once on a gorgeous day where everything was absolutely perfect. Went once on the windiest day of the year that it was a nightmare. I went to the Great Sand Dunes National Park and Preserve. It's in Southern Colorado. It is definitely a treat going there. It is the weirdest place in the middle of nowhere it looks like a different continent when you're there like it looks like a whole different place um according to outside magazine the park contains the tallest sand dunes in north america with some rising well over 700 feet um on nice days in the park you can like sandboard down them it is wild yes okay yes i remember you posting about this it's really cool um, so it's sometimes referred to as the Bermuda Triangle of the West. Ooh. Yes. Weird lights Spooky. are often spotted in the sky. And there's even a nearby attraction uh, campground known as the UFO Watchtower, where many people gather to look for evidence of aliens. Oh, my. Very fun. That uh, Yeah, I'm into that. Uh, the book Haunted Colorado, Ghosts and Strange Phenomena in the Centennial State by Charles A. Stanfields Jr. tells tales of weird web-footed wild horses that reportedly gallop across the dunes while there are multiple tales of explorers ranchers and entire families that have been swallowed up by the shifting sands the sands itself can even sing quote unquote says the national park service as avalanches of it slide down the dunes um it's actually a pretty well documented natural phenomenon but no one could but people could be creeped out if they didn't know that that could happen yeah but definitely it's it's a weird thing my cat is trying to desperately climb my chair as um, he deserves let him up <laughs> the next one i'm going to talk about you gotta watch out for uh-uh. it's the yucca man yes have you heard of it i've heard the the i've heard the name the yucca man okay but i'm not because the reason why Haley says i need to watch out is because it's joshua tree national park mm-hmm. and that's by me yeah um but I, I'll be honest, I have never seen the Yucca Man. Joshua Tree is is definitely in my top five national parks, I think. Aww, it is so cool and weird <laughs> that I just... It is. It's definitely a trip. You got to go see it. The trees don't look real. No. Like, they look like something like, out of, like, a Dr. Seuss book. Uh, we got a little too litty when I was there. And we? I did. Um, I was going to say, I was driving. You didn't partake at that point. Um, nah. But I thought we were on either... Uh, the surface of Mars or in the Upside Down in Stranger Things. Yeah. Um, so definitely check it out. Um, but the Yucca Man. So like Caitlin has says, he's spotted in and around uh, Joshua Tree National Park in Southern California and has been variously interpreted as a cryptid or something otherworldly, alien-like. Reports of the Yucca Man began to arise in the 1970s when more and more people were settling in the area with housing developments and exploring the park through hiking and camping, people report that the creature is often announced by its gut-wrenching body odor. 
uh, while nice. others has spotted its massive frame amongst the brush or seen its huge footprints in the soil. Tents have allegedly been opened in the night, and a snapshot from Hidden Valley Campground, which we drove by when we were yes, there. Yes, we did. Um, has made the rounds for decades now. Um, it's of a figure bounding over boulders and looks much like the Bigfoot from the uh, iconic Patterson-Gimlin film of 1967, which we talk about in our Bigfoot episode from either last October or the October before. I don't remember. Huh. Um, but many agree that it is a creature that is covered in hair and mm-hmm. often has glowing red eyes. Even military personnel at the nearby Edwards Air Force Base have encountered a very similar creature, popularly named Blue Eyes, which is weird because lots of people said that it has red eyes. Um, Other reports got even creepier as some people have linked the Yucca Man to an uh, unidentified shadow stalking the area, which is fucking weird. Yeah, Gotta say, we didn't see the Yucca Man when we were in Joshua Tree. At least I didn't. I didn't, and I would like to not, maybe, yeah. run into him. I'd prefer not. Unless he's a fan. <laughs> then, by all <laughs> means. Uh, now, I'm going to talk... So, I wanted to research two really separate things about the park. I wanted to research murders that have happened, specifically within national parks, and also cold cases and missing person cases. So, as okay. I started researching some of the murders, I was like, some of these are like really deserving of their own episode so i'm gonna speak kind of vaguely on some of these and just knowing that i plan to flesh these out in a full episode um in the future at some point yeah that's fair so um just about some of the uh the murders and how they're investigated so the FBI of the National Park Service, quote-unquote, is the Investigative Services Branch, which is uh, the ISB, which is how I'll be referring to it at. And they focus on serious crimes that occur within the national parks. Mm -hmm. As of 2020, just 33 ISB agents operating out of four field offices are responsible for 85 million acres of park service land in the 424 areas spread across the country. So huh. maybe there needs to be a couple more people, but yeah, that's, maybe, hopefully there's not enough crime to deal I was with. about to say, that's the hope. Yeah. Is that there's simply not enough that there's a need. Uh, well, there is. So according to the right. ISB's most recent so annual report, which the one that I found was from 2019, The agency investigated 674 cases in 2019. 59% of those were crimes against persons. Okay. Uh, The Pacific Field Office alone conducted 13 homicide and manslaughter investigations. Only four of those were new cases for the year. Other ones were carried over. And 12, quote, questionable method of death, end quote, investigations in 2019. Um, So I think probably one that people will already know of that's on a lot of people's radar gabby petito we have talked in depth about gabby petito on episode 221 so if you want more information on that i'm not really going to speak too much of that because we've discussed it and as well as many other podcasts have discussed it Mm -hmm. so go ahead and listen to our episode 221 we talk about gabby petito and kind of what happened leading up to her death yes um the next thing i want to talk about we vaguely talked about this in episode 71 way back um when i talked about the kidnapping of steven stainer his brother carrie stainer is known as the yosemite serial killer 
So I touched on it briefly. <gasps> yes, you have. Yes. So this was a boy. Oh, this was the boy that sorry. was kidnapped and held for seven years by a mm-hmm. kidnapper. He escaped uh, with the other boy that this kidnapper had taken. Um, yes. His brother ends up being a serial killer. Yes. Um, I'll talk more on the pop culture on that in a second. But to talk about like his specific crimes... In 1997, Stainer was hired as a handyman at the Cedar Lodge Hotel in El Portal, California, right outside the entrance to Yosemite National Park. On February 15, 1999, 42-year-old Carol Sund, her 15-year-old daughter Julie, and Julie's 16-year-old friend Silviana Peloso all went missing while staying at the Cedar Lodge Motel. Stainer okay. later admitted that he told the women that there was a leak to gain access to their room. When strangled, um, Carol and Sylviana were put into the trunk of their car and Stainer forced Julie to ride with him for hours as he searched for a place to dump the corpses. He then slit Julie's throat and left her body near a creek before returning to burn the car with the two bodies in it. Their remains were found in the trunk of the charred Pontiac rental car on March 19th. The bodies were burned beyond recognition and were identified using dental records. A note was sent to the police with a hand-drawn map indicating the location of Julie's body. The top of the, ro- the note read, quote, we had fun with this one, end quote. Oh, my God. Yes. What a fucking asshole. Yes. Investigators went to the location depicted on the map and found the remains of Julie, who's obviously, like I said, her throat had been cut. Uh, her body was found on March 25th, so over a month from when she was killed. Detectives began interviewing employees of the Cedar Lodge Motel, including Stainer, but he was not considered a suspect to that point because he had no criminal history and remained calm during the police interview. On Yeah, right. On July 22nd, 1999, the decapitated corpse of Yosemite naturalist Joey Armstrong was discovered not far from the cabin where she'd been staying. The previous day, Stanner had noticed her while walking through the area and just decided to kill her. He held her in the cabin at gunpoint, bound her hands and mouth with duct tape and forced her inside her inside his vehicle. Armstrong was able to jump through the window of the moving truck, but Stainer chased her down and beheaded her. Unlike his first murders, Stainer left behind plenty of evidence uh, when he killed Armstrong. Eyewitnesses said that they saw a blue 1972 International Scout, that was Stainer's truck, parked outside the cabin where Armstrong was staying, and authorities found tire tracks as well as a red mechanics hat that belonged to Stainer. They soon tracked him down to a nudist camp in Wilton, California. Oh, interesting place to uh, slip away to i was gonna say like i mean i guess i guess that's a way to blend in yeah i guess so um during his interrogation stainer shocked the agents when he offered okay this is gonna be this is gonna be a bit much so just be prepared um he offered to confess in exchange for child sexual abuse materials According to the Arizona Daily Sun, Stainer allegedly said, quote, it's sick, disgusting, perverted. I know that I can't go to prison for the rest of the rest of my life and be happy without seeing it. What the fuck? Yeah, this guy is a shitty person. Yeah, especially what happened to his brother. Yeah, fuck this guy. Like, this is this is. This is the sound of my cat's auto feeder going off. This is just that's like yeah, unforgivable. Yeah. Like that's so fucking. Yeah. Um. So police, of course, refused, and Stainer made a full confession anyway. 
Uh, See? He told investigators he hadn't initially intended to murder Armstrong, but when he saw her alone outside her cabin, quote, he could no longer resist the temptation to kill again, end quote. He later admitted that he would have kept killing until he was caught, adding that he had fantasized about murdering women since he was seven years old, which was long before the abduction of his brother. Stainer claimed he never sexually assaulted any of the women and wanted to keep their deaths, quote, as humane as possible, end oh my quote. God. Yep piece of what shit a, i was about to say what an absolute piece of shit like so as you can imagine this is quite a story with one brother being abducted and found and then the other one being a serial killer so the co- the story has been covered many times uh the mm-hmm. true tv series Mugshots has an episode called carrie stainer the cedar lodge killings the hln series how it really happened has two episodes on stainer titled the yosemite murders id channel series fbu criminal uh pursuits has an episode called trail of terror the reels channel has a documentary called yosemite park killer there's a born to kill episode called yosemite park slayer a 2020 episode called evil in eden about the stainer brothers and um probably most popularly there's a three-part docuseries on hulu focusing on the stainer brothers called captive audience a real american horror story um have not watched it yet but it's definitely Mm. on my list so if you have, let me know. Um, I have two other very short murder cases that I definitely, like I said, want to flesh out into full episodes. The first is going to be of the murder of Tony Henthorne in Rocky Mountain National Park. On September 29th, 2012, the married couple Harold and Tony Henthorne were hiking in Rocky Mountain National Park for their 12th wedding anniversary. Mm-hmm. While on the Deer Mountain Trail, Tony, quote-unquote, fell and sustained a head injury, Harold claimed to the 911 operator that he didn't see how it happened and performed CPR on Tony while waiting for help. By the time the ranger reached them hours later, Tony was dead. Harold's story was filled with many inconsistencies. As investigators dug into his personal life, they discovered that his first wife also died a suspicious death. Nah. And uncovered damning evidence that neither death was accidental. Nah. In 2015, a jury found Harold guilty of first-degree murder. He is currently serving a life sentence in federal prison. There is a 48 Hours episode called The Accidental Husband about him. Yes. And the season one uh, series, uh, Wild Crime, which I'll talk a little bit more about later, uh, focuses on this case specifically. Uh, the next one I want to talk about is the murders of Lolly Winans, Winans and Julie Williams in Shenandoah National Park. On May 19, 1999, 26-year-old Lolly Winans and 24-year-old Julianne or Julie Williams set out for a trip to Shenandoah National Park with their golden retriever. The couple were experienced in the outdoors. Lolly worked as a wilderness guide, and both women had met uh, through an, an organiz- organization called Woods Women, which was designed to bring women together for adventures in nature, which I absolutely love that. Why is there not something uh, like that around me? Mm-hmm. Um, they were so great. They even took female survivors of sexual assault out on backcountry camping trips as like an adventure therapy. Um, just a really cool thing to do. Yeah. Um, so after a day of hiking, they camped near Bridal Trail uh, during a particularly busy weekend at the park. It's Shenandoah is like one of the busiest parks. Um, mm-hmm. 
After, um, on May 31st, when the two didn't return home as expected, Julie's father reported the missing. Bridget uh, Bonnet, who was the deputy chief ranger at Shenandoah National Park, said of the search, quote, we wanted to we started doing hasty searches to cover all of the trails corridors in the general area to see if we could locate them. At some point during those hasty searches, we did locate the dog End quote on okay. <laughs> the dog's fine. I, yeah, I, I hate it. I hate that I am that way, but yeah, the minute you said they brought their golden retriever, I was like, don't uh. want that dog to be dead on June 1st. Park Rangers found the bodies of, the women near their campsite, their hands were bound, their mouths were gagged, and their throats were slit. Oh, my God. Although authorities arrested a man named Daryl Rice, who had attempted to abduct a woman from a nearby area at a separate time, DNA found that at the scene didn't match um, him or the victims, and the charges were dropped, and these murders still remain unsolved. Oh, my God. Yeah, from 1999. There is a book about this. Um trailed one woman's quest to solve the shenandoah murders by Catherine miles it is a 3.98 out of 5 on goodreads and this is um journalist Catherine miles was a professor at lolly winnens wilderness college in maine when the uh incident was announced on the 20th anniversary of the murder she began looking into the lives of these women who uh, whose loss continues to haunt all those that encountered them along with right. the murder investigation and subsequent case against rice. So check that out. It's trailed one woman's quest to solve the Shenandoah murders by Catherine miles. Mm. Now we're going to pivot a little bit into some cold cases and missing person cases to start it off. Um, I picked two. Uh, there are a couple. On the National Park Service website, you can scroll through their list of 29 open cold cases and submit a tip via email at nps underscore isb at nps.gov. You can call or text 888-653-0009, or you can fill out their online tip form at nps.gov slash orgs, O-R-G-S, slash 1563-1563, slash cold dash cases dot htm or you can just go to the national parks website and go to um uh like their cold cases section it's a little bit of like going through but you can find it um there's also a website called missing npf that has a database of missing persons um and cold cases within the park system um, I can't speak to how accurate that one is because I'm going to talk about another case later that is listed as being in a national park, but it is just outside a national park. So I don't know if that is true for their other cases that they talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first missing person case that I'm going to talk about is Derek K. Luking. He is missing from Great Smoky Mountain, Great Smoky Mountains National Park, which is on the border of North Carolina and Tennessee. He has been missing since March 17th, 2012. He is, uh, at the time of his disappearance, 24-year-old white male, uh, 5 foot 11, 220 pounds, green eyes, brown hair. He had a short beard and a tattoo of a Japanese character translating to life on his chest. He was last seen wearing black track pants and uh, that had white stripes down each leg. Mm Mm-hmm. And he was we- wearing either white tennis shoes or dark athletic sneakers. My sources vary on this one. I couldn't 
like it kind of went back and forth of what shoes he was wearing mm-hmm. um he plot possibly had a real tree camouflage uh, rain gear with him and he was definitely carrying a small dark colored day pack either black or navy Derek was last seen on video surveillance leaving the Microtel Hotel in Cherokee, North Carolina. On the bed of the hotel, his family found a Bible, and on the floor was a liquor bottle. His white Ford Escape was found parked in the lower lot of Newfound Gap at the North Carolina-Tennessee state line. His direction of travel from Newfound Gap was unknown, as there are several trailheads in the immediate area, including an entrance to the Appalachian Trail. Mm-hmm. In the abandoned Ford, there was a lot of newly purchased survival gear, including a pack axe, compass, lamp, pocket knife, knife sharpener, tent, sleeping bag, 100 feet of black parachute cord, granola bars, a survival belt containing a multi-tool, a flashlight, and a fire starter rod. The kit was worth around $1,000. Oh my God. And he didn't take it with him. Um, Pages from a military survival manual, Derek's wallet, and cash were also found in the vehicle. There was also a heartbreaking note that read, quote, don't follow me, end quote. Ugh. When his family and friends dispute that he had any serious depression or suicidal tendencies, um, which would have caused him to take his life in the park, Derek's father, Tim Luking, had noticed a change in his son earlier that year, saying, quote, he started drinking a little bit and smoking cigarettes, which was highly unusual for him. He wasn't happy with his job where his life was going, end quote. He assumed Derek was dealing with the regular post-graduation stress and transition to childhood, transition to adulthood that we kind of all go through. He's 24 years old, out of college, what the fuck are we doing? That whole thing. So, despite the note, a search was launched and campers and hikers in the area were interviewed, but strangely no one could remember seeing him despite it being a sunny day and the area was full of people picnicking, hiking, and so on. As a result, authorities believe that he might have gone off trail immediately, leaving his car, and quickly got lost or unintentionally, or intentionally rather, avoided people in the area to avoid detection. Derek's family maintains a Facebook page dedicated to finding him, last updated November 2020. Uh, quote, as you slip farther and farther away, we miss you still. End mm-hmm. quote. So if anyone has any information on Derek Luking, go to the National Park Service website. His information is all there. You can submit tips there. Please. Oh, my God. That's so heartbreaking. Yeah. Like, this oh. one's rough. This next one's rough because it's a kid. Um, Samuel Bokel, B-O-E-H-L-K-E. Um, he Maybe. was missing... Uh, he's been missing since October 14th, 2006 from Crater Lake National Park in Oregon. Uh, at the time he went missing, uh, he's he was eight years old. He's white male, four foot, eight inches tall, 85 pounds, light brown hair, brown eyes, last seen wearing a long sleeve, black and green striped shirt, cargo pants, red suede shoes, and a blue winter coat. He has a mole under his right eye. Uh, sorry, under his right ear and on um, another one on the left side of his throat. Sam was hiking with his father, playing hide-and-go-seek and having a great time in the park. Towards the end of the day, the two were playing on a cinder slope, which is like a, uh, the slope of like a volcanic, post-volcanic area. Um, he was starting to get cold. It was starting to get cold that day, and Sam's dad, Kenneth Bulky, um, was ready to head back to their cabin. 
but Sam saw something yellow in the distance um, that he hoped was gold, so he went after it. Ugh. As darkness approached, and Kenneth walked the short distance to the car, so the the car, so the two could return to their cabin near Diamond Lake. Stan stayed on the slope and refused to come down. Sam had a mild form of autism, and his family described him as having a, quote, passionate personality bordering on stubborn, end quote. Kenneth chased after him, he said, but Sam, likely thinking it was a game, stayed 50 feet ahead. Then Kenneth said, quote, I never caught up with him, and at that point, he disappeared over the top somewhere, and I lost him, end quote. And that was the last time Sam was ever seen. Oh, my God. For a week, National Park Service searchers and others scoured the area with dogs, helicopters, and heat-seeking cameras. Sam's autism manifested in a fear of loud noises and bright lights, which complicated things because rescuers could not use the customary air horns and whistles to try to find him. Later that evening, there was a bad snowstorm, which caused even more complications, and despite all the searching, no trace of the boy was ever found. His parents held a memorial for him uh, over a month later after Thanksgiving, um, but the case remains open. So mm. if anyone knows anything about this case, October 14th, 20, 2006 is when it happened. Um, go to the National Park Service website. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that one's rough. Yeah. I mean, thankfully, there's not a lot of, like, kid cases, mm-hmm. um, but it does happen. No. It's, Yeah. I mean, I'm not one for having your kids on leashes, but uh, no. definitely keep them close, especially in an area where it's, I mean, it's just so easy to slip and fall somewhere. It's so easy to like go off trail if you're a kid and you're just kind of looking at stuff in the distance. It's like, it's just, you lose them in a second. It's yeah. no one's fault. It's just unfortunate. God. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly it though. It's just so unfortunate. Yeah. Um, Something that I found while researching, I don't know how much I can speak to it, but something called Missing 411. I don't know if anyone's heard of it. So after founding the North American Bigfoot Search, former police officer turned investigator David Pallades began his next project, which was a series of self-published books and two documentary films documenting unsolved cases of people who had gone missing in national parks and elsewhere. And this next information that I'm going to talk about is all from his Wikipedia page, which is plastered with questionable resources notices. So take all of this with a grain of salt. I don't know how true any of this is. But according to him, David, um, his work began on this subject when he was doing research in a national park and an off-duty park ranger found him and expressed concerns about the questionable nature of some of the missing persons cases which occurred within the parks the ranger knew Pallady's background and asked him to research the issue he obliged and um, he asserts that he uncovered multiple lines of evidence suggesting negligence on the part of the park service in failing to locate the missing persons He broadened his investigation to include missing people from across the world, and this led to his belief that he has uncovered a mysterious series of worldwide disappearances, which he says defied logical and conventional explanations. As of August 2021, Pallades has written at least 10 books on the topic. According to a sobering coincidence, one of his books, he does not yet have a theory on what is causing the disappearances, although he indicates that the, quote, field of suspects is narrowing. End quote. Mm. 
Um, he advises his readers to go outside of their normal comfort zone to determine who or what is the culprit. That's his uh, advising. I do not advise that. Maybe don't. <laughs> Maybe leave it to other people to do that. Maybe leave it to the experts who have training. Um, Pallady's books uh, publicize the fact that the United States National Park Service does not keep an independent list of people that go missing in their parks. While there is a database for incident and criminal reports that I previously mentioned, it is not widely or consistently used and does uh, it doesn't interface with other criminal databases, which I can't speak to because I do not know. In response, a petition was created to make the department accountable. The interest in the book series prompted the creation of a documentary film based on the series, the Missing 411 books, um, and was released in 2016. You can watch it for free on Pluto, Vudu, and Crackle. There is another documentary, um, which was put out in 2019, called Missing 411 The Hunted, which explores the disappearances of hunters. And there's also, um, from 2022, Missing 411 The UFO Connection, which explores how these various disappearances could be connected to UFO sightings across the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, another case that I, like I said, um, that net, um, missing NPF, I think it was what it was called. Um, database said that this was in a national park. And, um, after doing more research, I know that it is just outside. Um, this is the case of Aaron Ralston. Do you know this case? No, it is very it popular. Even, I was going to say, it doesn't even ring a bell. Well, when I talk about it, you will know. Okay. On April 26, 2003, the 27-year-old went out alone near one of the most dangerous sections of Canyonlands National Parks. Uh, Canyonlands, uh, I mean, like I said, it's not within the park, but um, the, the Canyonlands National Parks itself has four distinct sections, which is the rivers, where the Green and Colorado Rivers have carved out two large canyons. There's islands in the sky, which is the upper portion, where you get gorgeous views of the canyons. Mm-hmm. It's probably the most popular. Um, that's where most of the visitor services are located. Um, then there's the Needles, which is mostly used for overnight backpacking trips. you got to be a little more smart to go there. And yep. um, the last section, the most dangerous and the closest to the environment that Aaron Ralston was in is the maze. It is the most remote section of the park and it has a ranger station, but no visitor center. And the ranger station is a three to six hour drive from the actual canyons of the maze. Mm. Uh, Visitors are required to be prepared for quote, self-sufficiency and self-rescue. Rarely do people spend less than three days in this area. And like I said, while the Blue John Canyon where um, Aaron was hiking is not technically in Canyonlands, uh, it shares many of the same geological features. So it's safe to say that lots of what you would expect in the maze section of Canyonlands is what he was kind of hiking in as well. Yeah. Um, So while descending to the lower stretches of a slot canyon, a suspended boulder, boulder dislodged while Aaron was climbing down from it. The boulder first smashed into his left hand and then crushed his right hand against the canyon wall. He uh, lived alone and had not told anyone where he was going and had no way to call for help. Hmm. He spent five days rationing the small amounts of food and water that he had with him. On the sixth day, he woke up to find that his arm was beginning to decompose due to lack of circulation. And also probably he, I mean, he tried other times to like get his arm free various with various means. Um, 
Wait, but his arm was starting to die. Minute. Yeah, you know this one. Wait. In desperation, he broke the two bones in his arm uh, by lodging them against the rock <gasps> and amputated his forearm using only a dull two-inch blade, which took <gasps> about an hour. No, 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 no. Yeah. After he freed himself, he rappelled down a 65-foot, 20-meter uh, sheer wall and began hiking back to his car. After six miles, he encountered a family who gave him food and water and called for help. Aaron had lost 40 pounds and 25% of his blood volume uh, by this Jesus. time. He wrote a book, uh, yes, Between did. a Rock and a Hard Place. It has a 3.84 no. out of 5 on Goodreads <laughs> and over 21,000 ratings. And his story was turned into the movie... 127 hours starring, starring James, James Franco. Franco. Oh, fuck uh, the guy. movie has a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes with an 85% audience score, 83% on Google, and a 7.5 out of 10 on IMDb. The critics' consensus is, quote, as gut-wrenching as it is inspirational, 127 hours unites one of Danny Boyle's most beautiful, exuberant directorial efforts with a terrific performance from James Franco, end quote. Mm trivia time because you know i love my imdb trivia i do i do know you love it i love it too the video camera that franco uses in the movie is the actual one that aaron ralston filmed his daily video diary while in the canyon no shit yes so he did actually he had the video camera in his pack with him and um filmed it filmed himself throughout his time stuck there because he didn't know what it was going to happen to him yeah when he was well and i there. mean and that's honestly that's very smart in a sense of like giving your family the gift of not having to wonder does yes. that make sense uh but it's still heartbreaking so while a few bits of aaron's original video was shown on tv on a tv special about his ordeal only close friends and family have seen the full video that's um, fair franco and director danny boyle were allowed to view the whole video before filming to accurately portray the events um terry mercer who plays um one of the rescue helicopter pilots was actually one of the people that rescued aaron ralston (laughs) so he's like the actual guy yeah (gasps) that's amazing and um one of my other favorites is casting what ifs so killian murphy was danny boyle's first choice to play aaron ralston's character uh mm-hmm. james franco's character mm-hmm. also who i think would be perfect both of these guys would be perfect shia labeouf and sebastian stan were also considered okay i think shia labeouf would have been phenomenal in this role yeah though i think about i got a couple thoughts i think i know i know shia labeouf is problematic i know but I, as far as portraying the role no. i feel like he could have done a really good job i'm stuck on sebastian stan though because i just think it's really interesting slash ironic like it's not that i'm questioning the i'm not i'm not questioning your i've seen a picture of aaron ralston and i don't know that he looks like any of these people (laughs) no no but i mean it's never about that um yeah but i just i'm not i'm not questioning the validity of what you looked up Haley. but i'm wondering if whoever wrote this piece of trivia was just it's from IMDb. fucking I don't saying know if it's that true. that's what i'm saying i'm wondering if they were just fucking saying that because sebastian stan plays a character in the marvel cinematic universe bucky barnes slash the winter soldier who loses his arm because he essentially 
he's he's fighting Nazis and he falls into a ravine and his arm gets stuck and it gets ruined and they have to cut it off and he gets this like mechanical Bionic arm thing. that's like vibranium which is Wakanda forever it's a whole fucking thing but There's I'm like too many layers and fucking but, Marvel but shit my point is I'm like that's a little too on the nose that he went maybe. on to play somebody I don't know who, maybe like I maybe don't he's know. got the face of a guy that's gonna lose his arm maybe i mean it's a good face maybe. he he played he played um what's his name we talked about uh pamela he was anderson in fresh. that's a pretty good movie he was in fresh that's a pretty good movie but he yeah. played tommy lee yeah 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 that's the guy th- like problematic yes it's problematic it's but problem. I'm, i was trying to think of things that you would know him from i know so i was I know like how would she know him okay he was on gossip girl yeah yeah, yeah. Um, i didn't watch gossip girl oh but he's a beautiful man um so since aaron did not tell anyone that he was going hiking no Mm. one knew that he was missing or even where to begin looking for him however this lesson seems to be lost on readers of his biography and audiences of the movie one of them was 64 year old amos wayne richards who ventured into the same spot that aaron did without telling anyone while climbing down a 70 foot deep ravine richards slipped and fell the last 10 feet to the bottom During the fall, he dislocated his shoulder, bumped his head on a rock, and broke his leg. It took him four days to crawl out of the ravine, and by the time the park rangers found him, he had no remaining water. Mm. In the end, it was the hysteria of 127 Hours fans that saved Richards. The park rangers at Blue John Canyon knew where to look for Richards because of the influx of hiking enthusiasts to the canyon since the movie was released. In fact, since 2005, uh, Aaron's biography came out in 2004, more than two dozen rescues have performed in the same area between 1998 and Aaron's actual uh, accident. Yeah. None were recorded. Wow. So you are not prepared to go there if you're just reading the book. Like, no, don't be a fucking idiot. No. Aaron Rawson oh, wow. was an experienced hiker and he still got hurt. So yeah. You can still get hurt if you're experienced, but wow. Damn. Um, yeah. Yeah. Ain't that the way. Um, my last bit of information before we go, I have a couple of little like pop culture things. So there is a book called Missing People in America's National Parks, True Stories of Unexplained Disappearances by Keith Chatham. Chatham? Oh, how do you spell uh, it? C-H-E-E-T-H-A-M. I think Cheatham? it's Cheatham. Cheatham. Because Chatham, Massachusetts, yes, that thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it has a 3.26 out of 5 on Goodreads, and it's about what the title says it's about missing people in the national parks um there's also national parks mysteries and disappearances by steve stockton um there's various editions including uh, one specifically about the great smoky mountains in tennessee and north carolina um there's one specifically about the parks in california there's five six national parks in california i don't know and then there's one about the pacific northwest all three of those books have about a 3.8 out of 5 on Goodreads. Oh, wow. Um, Consistent. Yeah. And then there's also the series that I talked about briefly before, Wild Crime. Yep. Uh, the description is, America's national and state parks are not immune to crime. With hundreds of millions of investigated visitors every year, bad things are bound to happen. Wild Crime follows the little-known investigators who are tasked with solving the most brutal crimes in these wild places. Seasons 1 and 2 feature the elite detective squad of the National Park Service as they investigate the brutal murders committed in America's most majestic wilderness. And you can watch it on Hulu. And like I said, the first um, series, the first iteration, season, whatever it is, uh, focuses on the murder of Tony 
Henderson? I forget her. I forget the name. Um, I'm scrolling back. Henthorn. You got Tony it. Tony Henthorn. Um, and the last thing I want to mention before I do one more thing. Um, there is a podcast called National Park After Dark. Really yep. fun. I mean, you, obviously, you're going to listen to our podcast. But if you want to know more about this topic specifically... You can go to that podcast, National Park yeah. After Dark. Go check it out. Uh, the very last thing I wanted to mention is um, some movies have been filmed in national parks, and this is the mm-hmm. horror, thriller, crime edition. <gasps> so, um, The Shining, a little movie you might know of. The opening of shot was filmed on Glacier National Park's Going to the Sun Road. Shout out to my oh. sister who lives there. Not Hi, on the road, Jean. but like in Montana. Um, the interior of the hotel is actually the Stanley in Estes Park, Colorado, which is right outside uh, mm-hmm. Rocky Mountain National Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie Thelma and Louise, which is kind of a crime movie, yep. was filmed in and around Moab, Utah. Many shots were oh. taken in Arches and Canyonlands National Parks, but the iconic car jump scene was filmed at Dead Horse State Point, uh, Dead Horse Point State Park um, in Utah. Dead Horse Point State Park, uh, real quick, is right next to Canyonlands. If you are in the area, highly, highly, highly recommend going there. I've gone to Arches, Canyonlands, and Dead Horse. Um, Dead Horse has better views than Canyonlands. I'm just going to say it. Okay. It is I believe gorgeous. you. Um, I trust your judgment. The movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind yes. was filmed at Devil's Tower National Monument and Black Hills National Forest in Wyoming. I will be going there this summer. <gasps> I'm very excited. And the, the KOA there, uh, the the Campsite of America, if yes. you like camp at Devil's Tower, they have a movie night where they show that movie every single night. Wait, stop. In the shadow so of in the shadow of Devil's Tower. <gasps> I know. I'm gonna see oh, we're you're gonna there, do that, I'm right? Yes. I'm very oh, excited. Good. That's so exciting. That's such a cute idea. Yes. Um the Blair Witch Project was actually filmed in Seneca Creek State Park in oh. Maryland. And The Hunger Games was filmed mm-hmm. in North Fork, North Fork Reservoir um, in North Carolina. And some other fun ones. El Camino, a Breaking Bad film, was filmed in Bridger Teton National Forest in Wyoming. And Star Wars A New Hope was filmed in Death Valley National yeah. Park, parts of it in California. Yep. Uh, I also have a list of horror movies about like park rangers and visitors in national parks. So, like creepy bad things have happened. So Ooh. I can share that on our discord. Dun, dun, dun. And right before we go, cause I know this episode's a little long, my palate cleanser for oh, this she's week. She's hopping right the fuck in. I'm yeah. excited. Uh, it's going to be an easy one. It's hiking. Yeah. Everyone go hiking. Uh, hiking <laughs> is so much fun. I found so much joy in it. You don't have to be like, like you don't have to scale mountains to be able to no. hike. There are plenty of like paved paths and yeah. like very easy paths, especially in national parks. Don't feel intimidated. Go on like the most popular ones. Um, Acadia national park. There was a loop that we did around a, um, a lake that mm-hmm. is like, it's, there was like boards that you like walk across you just stay you like hug the side of the lake the entire time it's just a loop around there's no mountains hills that you need to cross like it's it's really easy trail it's really fun um and while you're out hiking you can try out some apps that i have recommended um all trails will like before you know before you go check all trails check yep. to see what the elevation gain is uh how high you're going to be hiking 
Mm -hmm. Um, Check to see if it is a loop, whether you start at one point, you go all the way around and you end at that one point. If it's an out and back that you have to hike one way and come back the other way, what Mm -hmm. the distance of that hike is, how many people have hiked it. You can even go, it's like, it's like a social media for trails. Like you can go and like, People who have hiked that trail recently will say, these were the conditions uh, found out going on the yellow trail was easier than going on the blue trail. Avoid this because there's snow, like blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. Whether trails are dog friendly, whatever. There's also photos. There's a whole bunch of stuff to plan your trip before you go. There's also another app called Tree Card, which you can connect with your like Fitbit or your whatever your uh, step tracking device. For every ten thousand steps, you log into the app and you can plant a tree. <gasps> That's so and, cute. Uh, you basically get like the app is like kind of like a little game too. Like every time you quote unquote plant, like you plant a real tree, but in the app you get like a little tree that you can plant on your little island. <gasps> I and, love islands. Uh, I think there's <laughs> other so cute. There's other stuff that you can get. Like I um I don't know all the details on it, but um at some point you can get like rewards, like you can cash in for um a f- like free passes to national parks and stuff. Yeah. So definitely check out Tree Card and All Trails, and go hiking. Also, because I am a dealsy bitch at her core, um if you want to visit a national park and you live in the united states obviously and mm-hmm. you don't have the the funds or the means a lot of libraries have national park passes that you can check out with a library card yeah people like you they want you to go to national yes. parks they're not trying to gatekeep yes. national parks like like look for opportunities to go if you're if you're coming from out of the country or like out of state in a new area check out what kind of natural spaces you can visit respectfully in mm-hmm. that area and just mm-hmm. make sure you know you're carrying your garbage out and you're you're being respectful to the nature and the other people in that area and you're gonna have a great time yeah though i you and i need to go hiking i just realized when you were talking about it that we've never gone hiking together and i well, think that's the problem is historically you'll you've never been a hiking bitch no, I have been more of a Meredith in the parent trap kind of bitch. Even more of an indoor bitch. You're an indoor cat. I'm a beach bitch, okay? <laughs> yes, okay. I will <laughs> I like I like the outdoors when it doesn't involve going uphill. Yeah. Um but also I've only gone hiking with really like Michael or by myself. And it's great when I go by Does myself. Michael I used to do it a lot. Woods? Huh? Like a little wood nymph? What? Does Michael just run through the woods like a little wood nymph? Pretty much. But then Michael's like, um, excuse me, where are you? Keep the fuck up. Which is why I have to tie, untie, and then retie my shoe like six times a minute to be like, oh no, wait, sorry, gotta stop again. Because Michael goes a million miles an hour and I cannot do that. Okay. And that is why I am less of a, yes, you and I should go hiking. I actually just got a message on Discord from Michael saying, are you talking shit about me? <laughs> they do listen to the podcast. <laughs> Michael listens live. Um, Only when it's about them. <laughs> That's so fucking God damn it. Um I'm not gonna respond to that. Nope. I'm not gonna dignify that with a response. They but, can um, listen to the podcast then. But my point is that um you and I should go hiking together because I feel like it'll be I used to go hiking a lot when I lived in Connecticut, but I did everything i like it's a miracle i'm still alive honestly because i never told anybody i would just go off in the woods like a little hot girl walks 
No, I went for I like literally I went off the paved trails. I was like, I want to see what there is to see. And I never told anybody I was going there because it was like my mental health time. I needed a leash. I would like like straight up. This is so bad. Like sometimes my sister and I would do it together, which isn't as bad, but we still wouldn't tell anybody. And like we'd straight up like strip down to our underwear and go swimming in a stream. And like one time, like a creepy old dude. No, but like a creepy old dude once showed up and was like hey what are y'all doing and i was like well uh what does it look like sir (laughs) maybe maybe it shouldn't look like anything maybe you should look away um but yeah i so then we moved out here and michael was always kind of hikey but it's it's i don't do a speed hike i like to go slow yeah you gotta Um, stop to look at moss on a tree and some rocks and stuff or one time i stopped and i saw a cute little lizard friend and he was so nice he was so cute i did when we were out west elliot was like the best at pointing out lizards he found like six in one hike elliot's really good at just seeing small animals in general and i say that because that's a weird vivid uh, memory thing to know i have i have a vivid memory a vivid memory of you two carting my ass somewhere who knows but i remember i was sitting in the back like the child of my two parents that i am and all of a sudden elliot turns around and looks at me and just starts going cover your eyes cover your eyes look away look away and it was because he was about to hit a bunny and he didn't want me to have to see it because he knew i was gonna get upset (laughs) he's very good at pointing out wildlife (laughs) um anyway if you have been to a national park um share it to us on yeah. um on our discord and uh, maybe, you can maybe message us we'll share some photos yes. of our national park adventures i have so many i have ones that you took of me i did i do yes we had a little photo shoot in the park <laughs> we did a photo um, shoot in the park we did a photo shoot on i don't know if the if the uh El Mirage. El Mirage. no that's not yeah a national park. that's a national park but i feel like it should be yeah that was dope um yeah go uh share to us on our discord you can message us on any of our social medias to um get an invite to our discord which is like a little messaging thing that we have with our just our closest little friends um we are on facebook instagram and twitter and also our website crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com and our email crimeculturepod at gmail.com shoot us a message on any fucking one of those and we'll get back to you with the link to our discord um and you can join us on this little fucking journey yeah yeah you could also join our patreon for as little as a dollar as much as whatever you want this podcast is free for you to listen to but not free for us to make so if you could shoot us any money that would be highly helpful and you get different rewards at each level so it's not just like doing it for nothing but uh if you do not have the financial means to support us do not feel obligated to you can support us for absolutely free by rating and reviewing us on your podcast platform of choice so wherever you're listening to this see if you can do a rate and review and go ahead and do that it helps us out a lot more than you would think and um gives us a little serotonin boost which we desperately need oh my god no thoughts just pollen no thoughts just pollen i'm gonna go cough into oblivion I'm going to go continue to feel hungover from pollen. Hungover from just the air around. It is. It's just from the air. I begged and pleaded for it to stop raining in California, and I got my wish, but at what cost? At what cost? (laughs) All right. We have been Crime Culture, and we will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Bye.